Welcome to the Co-Mission Podcast. My name is Ruth and in today's episode we're going to be hearing a seminar from the Revive Festival on the topic of parents and teens in the city. The talk was given by John T. Alcock, pastor at the Globe Church South Bank and Steph Parker from Dundonald Church. Being a teen isn't easy, nor I suppose is being a parent with a teen. It's harder still in a culture that can be unaccepting and sometimes opposed to the gospel we believe in. We'll hear how we can navigate this as a team and a family, and how that starts with communication and trust. We'll also hear from parents and teens about their experiences, and what they wish the other would understand. Enjoy. Welcome. I have to say, I am surprised uh, to see so many people in the tent. So well done for being here. Well done for coming. Um, I'm not quite sure what you're expecting. Um, but, but our job this afternoon is to try and help you guys a little bit um, as, you, as you think through what it means to be parents, teenagers, working that out together. It's not straightforward. All of us struggle. All of us in this tent have had a fight at some point, right? If you haven't, well done. You should be doing this seminar. So look, we, we recognize that it's, it's a struggle we're not going to ask you to do anything difficult. We're not going to ask you to have like emotional conversations in front of everybody. We're not going to do any of that. This is an opportunity for us to just begin a conversation that we hope will be helpful to you. Uh, my name's John T, um, and I'm one of the pastors at the Globe Church. Um, my name's Steph. I'm a member of Dundonald Church, the 630 congregation, and help out with the youth there. And I work for um, a charity called LDN Holidays as well. Brilliant. Uh, Steph, why don't you pray for us as we get started? Yeah, love to. Father, thanks so much um, for the opportunity to chat things like this through. Father, pray that you would be helping us by your spirit, um, that this would be a seminar that is for your glory, um, and that you would be helping us along the way. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Great. Um, Here's here's what we're going to do. All right, we're going to spend about 10 minutes where Steph and I are going to talk through some principles, so kind of stuff from the Bible. You know, you'd expect that. This is Revive. But then we're going to try and get much more practical and give you some ideas and some thoughts and a chance for you to talk to each other, listen to each other, and try and think through ways that we can get better at this. So 10 minutes listening, and then lots more uh, time to chat and engage. And the big principle that we want to, um, to think through, first of all, is that God makes us to be teams. In fact, the Bible says that God thinks to be alone is not good. It was the first thing that God saw. He saw Adam before he'd created the woman, and he said, it's not good. This is uh, Genesis chapter 2. It is not good for the man to be alone. And so God says that we're not designed for independence. Now, this is important for you to understand, because most of us think that the goal of life is to achieve independence. I want my independence day. My son, my eldest son was 18 the other day, and it was, that's, that was his independence day. He, guess what he did on his 18th birthday? He went to the pub, and he bought a pint. And then he said to me, Dad, it costs £6.30. <laughs> I am not doing that again. <laughs> Win! <laughs> you see, we're looking for that moment when we can get some independence. But what I want to try and 
persuade you of, what we want to try and persuade you of, is that actually independence is not the goal of life. The first team that God built was the man and the woman. The first team, the husband and wife, who were to work alongside each other, who were to be there for one another, who were to work together in order to achieve God's purposes for this world. And then into that first team, God brought children. You see, family is the first team that God designs. And here's the main thing we need to get clear in our families. We're designed to be a team. Now, sometimes it can feel like parents and teenagers are on different teams, right? We're team parent. There's two of us. We're team teenager, and sometimes there's more of us. That's terrifying. <laughs> when we had our third child, we're like, right, we're outnumbered now. It's all gone wrong. But that isn't how it's designed to be. You see, God, I, I want you to see that God created a beautiful, a beautiful um, creation called family, which was supposed to function as a team where you were for one another, you were together, you worked together, you helped each other, and that was what it was designed to be. But you'll know as well as I do that into that world, sin came. And sin is all about declaring independence, saying, I want to be on my own, actually. I want to do things my way. And what happened is that that beautiful team has been damaged. And so now you've got parents who want what they want. And let's be honest, parents, often what we want is an easy life, right? We want things to go straightforwardly. We don't want things to be complicated. We don't want it to be messy. We don't want our nice little lives to be spoiled. And so we want what we want as parents. And then you have teenagers who want what they want. But you know as well as I do that teams never function that way. You cannot have a team where one person wants one thing and another person wants another thing and they just pursue their own agendas. The team breaks apart. And so we want to think about this idea of team. And at the heart of the idea of team is trust. Actually believing that the other people on your team want what is good for you. Actually believing that. And Steph's going to talk a bit more about trust. Um, trust is obviously not an easy thing. We're told to trust God. Um, he is the provider of every good thing that we have, creator of the universe, sustainer of all things, and yet we still struggle to trust him. And so obviously, between two sinful human beings, it's going to be hard to build trust. Um, and we have to work at this. It is the key ingredient that frees us up to be honest, to obey with even when we disagree with things, and to have no need for suspicion or control or secrecy. Um, and granted, it's much easier when we're younger. Um, when it's a child and a parent, it's sort of innate. It's within us that we will trust our parents. Um, but as we get older, we start to realize that our parents are also flawed, sinful beings. Um, and therefore, trust needs to be earned and it needs to be built on at that point. Um, and we are commanded to obey our parents um, but without trust, that is hard. It feels controlling and demanding, and it's miserable for both sides. Um, so we obey the Lord, 
as Jonty just mentioned, we obey the Lord because um, he knows that we are um, his precious people. He designed us. He knows exactly how this world is designed to, to be thriving. Um, and so we obey the Lord because he trusts that he loves us. Um, and so we obey parents similarly because we trust that ultimately they are doing their best to love and protect us um, and ultimately point us towards the creator God um, and his son that he sent for our salvation. Um, and trust does need to go both ways in this relationship. Um, parents, you need to trust your young people. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, they deserve your respect, your belief in them, and your trust. And obviously, young people need to trust their parents too. They're doing their very best to love and protect you and look after you. They've kept you alive this far. Um, and that's what they're trying to do now. It just looks different and more complicated now. Um, and so it goes without saying that we both need to be trustworthy too. Um, keep your promises, be consistent. It's a long-term investment, but building trust is entirely worth it. So you can see that um, this idea of team is really central to what we want to say today. And in some ways, it's very, that's very simple, right? None, none of you are going to be very surprised by that. But it, it really is that simple. If you trust one another, then you will be able to do this. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, if you trust one another, conflict is a good thing. If you trust one another, conflict is an opportunity for you to deepen your confidence in one another and for you to grow. Of course, if there's no trust, then conflict will be a nightmare and conflict will be very hard to, um, to deal with. And so most of us, we spend our lives trying to avoid conflict, right? Our main aim in life is let's just try not to have a fight, right? The number of times, so I've got three teenage boys, full disclosure. Um, my eldest said, I'll come and sit on the front row and I can shout when you say something that's not true. I was like, no, don't do that. And, um, but f I've got, so I've got three teenage boys. Um, and reality is, but there are times when I do things just to keep life easy. I, I think, I, I just don't want to have conflict in this. This is too hard. And sometimes that's, sometimes a quiet life is a nice life. But I want to encourage you not to shy away from conflict, not to fear conflict. Right, teenagers, listen, it, to have a disagreement with your parents, that's okay. It's okay if you trust them and listen and learn together. And that's what we want to try and do. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we want to get some um, feedback from you. We want to brainstorm. What do you think are the main flashpoints between parents and teenagers? All right? Now, this is not, I'm not asking you about your personal flashpoints. I'm saying, what do you think, having talked to your friends and the things your friends say, what are some, where are some of the areas where you think it's, you're most liable to have a conflict with your parents. Do you want to go for it? If you can't think of any, well done. Um, right, talk to your parents first. You're, I'm very glad how eager you are to tell us. It's excellent. Talk to your parents, then we'll get some ideas. You've got two minutes. Let's get some feedback. Right, in order to make this a bit more of a, in order to make a, bit more of a game, um, I have 10, all right? Well, well, Steph and I, we brainstormed this before. This is going to show how in touch... I am with reality. Um, we have 10 on our list, and so we will see how many 
you come up with that aren't on our list, all right? If you get one that's on our list, it doesn't count. If you get one that is, isn't on our list, you get a point. And if you get the most points, then you win. <laughs> and if you win, then you can be happy for the rest of the day. So that's, um, so that's terrific. Uh, we're going to have a microphone come round. So this is going to take a lot of effort from the, from the microphone man. So apologies to you. Right, let's get some ideas. Uh, yes, let's start down here because there was a... By the way, if we could, um, if we start here, if the next person could be right up at the back, it makes it <laughs> really makes it much more fun. Screens. Screens. Yes. No. Do you think screens was on our list? Yes. yes. Very Easy. good. Screen time. Right, a massive flashpoint. How much time we spend on screens? Right, any more? Stick your hand up and just go grab, just go and pick people. Uh, homework. Homework. Was homework on our list? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, we had it as academic success, which, yes. Yep, academic stuff, yep, good. Any more, yep. The time you have to get home. The time you have to get home, yeah. Time to be home, there it is on our list, very good. <laughs> okay, let, let, got lots. let's, let's uh, pick these up. Leaving your stuff all over the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, jobs around the house, that's on our list, yep. Tattoos? Tattoos is not on our list. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Well, now we've raised a whole level of... <laughs> we'll do an extra seminar. Yeah. Fashion. Fashion. Um, did we have... Yes, we've got clothes on our list, yep. Chores. Chores, yep. Jobs around the house, yep, absolutely. Doing my bed every single day. Yes. That's not specifically on my list, so I'll give you that one. Yeah, well done. Rules. <laughs> rules. Just generally. All rules of all sorts, yeah. Everything. Any, any sense of rules, yeah. Time you spend in your room. Time in your room. Okay, so stuff just on your own, yep. Haven't got that one. Doing dangerous stuff. I haven't got that. <laughs> That sounds like an excellent fun thing to argue about. Um, yep. Tidying your room. Yes, that's, I haven't got it explicitly, but I have got jobs around the house, like tidying up and things. Work-life balance. Great, okay, so yeah, how you use your time and work-life, yep, great. Okay, we have a couple more. I, I, we can see there's a very wide range. Yep, one over here. Instrument practice. Oh, <laughs> yes. A specific one, one that I can relate to from when I was little. Um, thank you. Yeah, I haven't got that on my list. You can definitely have that. Yeah, last one. What jobs you get. Right. What jobs you're going to do. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I haven't got that on my list either. Um, we also had, which I don't think we mentioned, money. Um, we had church on our list. Sometimes parents and teenagers can argue about church. Um, we had boyfriends and girlfriends, um, and we had alcohol, which I don't think was mentioned. But those were the, those were the things that... Some of the flashpoints that, that are going on. Now, what we did this morning... Um, Steph, do you want to explain, please? Yeah, so this morning we um, were chatting with the uh, guys in the Wings tent, the 14 to 18s, um, and we did a very small, very optional little questionnaire um, 
just because we wanted to get into the minds of actual teenagers rather than hoping that we could guess accurately enough what you're actually thinking. Um, and so we've asked some of the best things that their parents do and some of the worst things that their parents do. Um, not to dob you in, um, and we won't call you out specifically, these are anonymous, um, <laughs> yeah. so you're safe, um, but we, want, we wanted to get a picture of the encouragements as well as the things that, generally the themes of things that we struggle with, um, and so hopefully these are going to be helpful for getting into the minds of teenagers and helping us to, to help you. And I think the thing that's encouraging is that there are some things that, that they think we're doing all right. Um, <laughs> So parents, let me encourage you, teenagers. And listen, you don't know if this is your kid or not, so just imagine it was. Imagine they were saying these lovely things. What's the best thing your parents do? The number, this is going to be slightly discouraging, I know, but the number one, by quite a long way, was provide food. <laughs> so can I just say, if, you're a, if you are a parent here and you are providing food for your teenager, you are winning, yeah, all right? Yeah. They are appreciative of the food that you're giving them. There were some other things. They're always there for me. They pray for me. Raised me in a Christian family. They don't mind if I do badly in an exam. They communicate well and they're good at emotions. They comfort me when I'm struggling. They give me freedom to make my own decisions. They let me live in their house. <laughs> Um, they support me in everything I do. They teach me about God and encourage me in my faith. They listen to me in my perspective. They provide for me and they love me. They read the Bible with me. They love me. Um, and those were all food. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because you, sometimes we just think we're all failing all the time. Actually, there are things that we appreciate about one another. Um, and my guess is if we'd done the same thing for parents, and perhaps we should, what are the things you appreciate about your teenagers, that that would have been helpful. But there were also, um, there were some things that were said that I think are harder. And I want to read these because I want you to hear them. Because I think it's important for us as parents to hear some of the things that our teenagers feel. Now, again, you don't have to imagine this is your child saying this. It could have been someone, it probably was someone else. Um, but some of these are quite Hard to hear, but I, don't want to, I, I think it's important. What's the worst thing your parents do? They nag me to do things when they've told me already and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, a lack of freedom, assuming I'm still a six-year-old. Lack of trust and communication. They embarrass me and then say, oh, look, you're embarrassed now. <laughs> don't look at each other, just don't look at each other, okay? <laughs> Just keep looking forward and it's all going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. I think there's a lot of teenagers going, I think I might have written that. Um, there are some more, um, more serious ones like this. They push me to talk with them when I'm struggling with my mental health. I always feel guilty after they want to talk to me and I can't talk to them about it. Um, someone said that they invalidate my, they invalidate my anxiety. It's hard for us to talk about anything real. They ask me about my love life. This one just says cringe. <laughs> Choosing work over hanging out. Challenging. They're very rigid. They assume my thoughts or feelings and views. 
not answering my questions, even though we're literally in the same room. They shout at me and complain. They scream at me and complain sometimes. See, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, I don't read those so that we as parents feel rubbish and guilty, but it's important for us to hear some of what our teenagers are thinking. Um, Steph, do you want to explain what we're going to do next? Yes, yeah, right? yeah. So I think, um, uh, are we going to tell them what to discuss or, you, or leave them to pick for themselves? I think they could pick a couple. Pick for yourself. Um, take a couple of these um, flashpoints um, that we've brought, brought up and have a go at arguing the opposite side. Um, get into the mind of your teenager, um, get into the mind of your annoying parent, um, and try and switch roles. Try and fight for the other person's point of view. Um, make it as theatrical if you want. If this is too cringe, just make it dramatic and own it. Um, but see if you can get into the, into the mindset of wanting to be on the same team and wanting to genuinely understand what the other person is thinking, um, as that is a seriously important ingredient if you don't know what their perspective might be, then maybe you haven't been listening to what they've been saying, um, or maybe you haven't been talking enough. Um, so give that a go. Pick one of these flashpoints and see if you can switch roles um, and have a go at discussing from the other person's point of view. Great. I, I hope that wasn't an inflammatory exercise. Um, I hope that was all right. Um, we're now going to head into some more practical tips. Um, we want to say it to start, every family is different. Um, so these are broad tips that are hopefully helpful and encouraging, um, but the practical outworking of these may look different for each family, and you are the one who knows your family best. Um, so the first tip that we came up with as we were brainstorming um, is try talking um, whilst doing something else so that you don't have to look each other in the eye. Um, I truly believe this makes a huge difference. Um, we build up to this sort of, can we have a chat at some point? And obviously that's good, um, but sitting down opposite each other, looking each other in the eye, no one feels all that comfortable um, and the walls come up and we just want to get it over with. Um, try doing something, go for a walk, that is a brilliant way to get, get chatting in a more chilled way. Get a pastry or an ice cream or cook dinner together, do something to lower the in, sort of intensity. Um, and help it to feel like a conversation between allies rather than a formal peace negotiation. <laughs> Great, so do something while talking. Here's a, here's a second tip. Um, I, I, I want to say, say that trust is something you've got to build, right? So you've got to work to build trust. So let me give you um, an example of what I mean. Supposing your teenager suggests takes the risk of telling you something that they're really scared about or really stressed about, the way that you as a parent react to what they say, the first thing you say is absolutely critical. Because if you, in that moment, um, undermine them or react in a way which is unhelpful and shocking, it will erode their trust. So actually, I want to suggest that in the first instance, if someone speaks to you, and let me just tell you, my mum and dad were brilliant at this. Um, my older brother, um, I, was, I was always quite a compliant teenager. <laughs> Boring. My older brother wasn't. And he often got himself into, into big trouble. Um, so he, was, he started smoking at quite a young age. And there was one time when he got into a lot of trouble. 
um, with the police. And what my mum and dad did so brilliantly was at no point did they break the relationship. At no point did they say to him, re reacting kind of disgust or horror. Instead, they always acted in love first. Not saying that these things don't matter, but love was their primary aim. Now, my older brother is still not a Christian, but the relationship he has with my parents is amazing. And they pray for him every day, and they keep praying for him. And that they're a model, I think, of what it means to, to keep loving. And so I want to say to you, your, your first instinct when you have those conversations is love. Build trust. And very linked to that, my next tip would be avoid secrecy. Um, it seems really obvious after all that we've said about trust, but it's worth saying explicitly. Um, and I'm talking to both teenagers and parents here. Um, don't sugarcoat or hide the realities of life. Um, as we've said before, don't avoid confrontation and honesty for the sake of not risking an argument. Um, uh, be honest. Trust that your family will respond in grace and love. Um, I get completely that this is so tempting, um, particularly at the age that you are. Um, and I'm not expecting you f to go from zero to 100 in a day and just tell them everything. Um, but have a little faith in your parents. They care about your life. And if you think about it, the more that, they, more, the more that you tell them, the more that you share your life with them, the more they will trust you um, to make your own decisions and leave you to it because they know you and they trust that you can make your own decisions. Great. Fourth tip. I don't know if this is the fourth one. Maybe. Um, fourth tip. If you've lost your temper, stop. Right? If you're a teenager or a parent, if you've lost your, if you've lost your temper, you have to stop. There is, it is not going anywhere that is going to be helpful. And yet it's so difficult, isn't it? In those moments. I have found myself having an argument. My kids aren't here, so it's okay, I can say this. I found myself having an argument with my boys that has got to the stake of them saying, I hate you and I wish you were dead. And I'm like, wow, I, I just asked you to brush your teeth. I, how did we end up here? And yet, that's what happens. And it takes a moment to, to step back, to step out of the situation. Um, so if you've lost your temper, actually, you have to stop. You're not going to get anywhere in that moment. And it's so hard, but you, you're much better to leave it, calm down, come back to it later. And I think calm conversations is probably my last tip. Um, be willing to explain what you're doing and why. Um, communicate lots. If you don't know why the other person feels so strongly about something or why they're doing something, ask them about it. Um, get them to explain their thinking. It's a little bit of what we were doing just now. Um, try to genuinely understand each other and trust that the other person has a valid opinion. Um, try your very best not to write them off as wrong from the get-go. Um, give them a chance to explain why they're doing. Be willing to chat things through um, without feeling like you need to have a chat, but just sort of chat things through. Keep the communication going constantly. Um, be willing to just chat. Um, sixth, don't panic. <laughs> I think one of the things that can happen is that we catastrophize. So teenagers, it's really important you know this. Um, your parents are t tend to panic about your future. 
they tend to panic that you're, everything's going to go wrong in your life. They, they tend to catastrophize. And so if you're on your... This is, this is... Maybe it's just me. This is how my mindset works. If my kid is on their screen all the time, I go, look at that. Look at that. They're a waste. They're, they're a loser. Look, they're, they're wasting their time. They could be doing cross-stitch and knitting and, and croquet like all their nice little friends are down the road. But look at them. Sitting on Minecraft all day long, building pointless worlds and then blowing them up and watching other people play Minecraft. I just don't get it. And what we do is they say, what we, what we then do is we project. Rather than just go, oh, okay, that's an interesting thing to be doing. We, we project into the future and we imagine them in their little dark cave of a pit when they're 27 still playing Minecraft. And that's where we end up. And that's why we react as strongly as we do, because we think that that's where you're heading. So parents, I want to say, that probably isn't where they're heading. All right? You can chill. We can catastrophize everything, and we can say, oh, no, this is awful. Actually, we just need to walk alongside them in it. Um, so I, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't panic. Um, keep loving your kids. I th yeah, that's... That's enough. And then I've, I've got another couple because I messed up and I did a couple wrong ones. So here, here's another one. <laughs> um, okay, I've got two more. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you go. Um, say sorry. Just say sorry. Say sorry all the time. Just keep saying sorry to one another. Um, yeah, not, not now. Um, although, what I mean is, I think, I think learning to say sorry is so powerful. Um, and, and saying sorry can immediately take the heat out of a situation. There's a brilliant proverb that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If one of you will respond gently, the heat is taken out of it. And you're on the same team. I, I want to keep saying this to you. Your job is to work out how are we going to do this? How is our family going to function? And they're going to, you know... You know, the parent will say, yes, but the Smith family down the road, they meet, they sit around the Bible, do Bible time at breakfast. Why can't we? And then the, the teenager says, all my friends are allowed to do this. Why aren't we? And we've got to keep saying to one another, no, it's us. How are we going to do it in our family? Let's talk about it. Let's work it out together. Saying sorry lots. And my last one was be generous with each other. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your money. Uh, Linda and I, my wife and I, were very challenged the other day when we discovered and thought it through and we thought we are more generous to other people than we are to our own kids. We're more patient with other people than we are with our own kids. We give more time to other people than we do with our own kids. That was really challenging. And we thought, I want to treat my kids better than I, teach, than I treat others. I, I, I want them to know how important they are. And sometimes for some of us that does mean work, right? That does mean taking time. It does mean being there for the important things. Um, I've discovered that teenagers don't really want us to hang out with them all the time, unbelievably. Some do, but most don't. But they do still want to know that you're around and you're available and you're there. So be generous. Um, there's a few thoughts. What we're going to do is we've got... Um, a few minutes spared, just because we thought if there was anything anyone wanted to ask, and I realize that Q&A in this kind of setting is slightly risky, um, please don't ask. My son wants to go to a party next Saturday night. Do you think we should... I mean, we could play that game. 
You could all come up one at a time and you could stand on the stage. We go, kid wins. Right, sit down. Next. <laughs> um, let's not do that. But if there were any principal questions, and I, I'm, I'm, I want to encourage you as teenagers, if there's things that you think, I'd love to know about this. What, what would be a wise way to do this? Um, please do ask if anyone's got any questions. Otherwise, we'll pray and we'll finish. And you can go and talk about these things more. Any questions anyone wants to ask? Yes, there is a question there at the back. It wasn't so much a question, it's more one of the topics you raised was the whole church one. So do you want to yes. expand a little bit on how do you constructively go about that conversation if you're trying to nurture their hearts or reach them? How's a good way to do that a bit more? Yeah, great. Steph, do you want to? No, no, you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> Hospital pass. <laughs> In everything that you're doing, all right, you are moving. The reason that parenting is hard is because your kid, because children are a moving target, right? You just think you've nailed it, kind of the six, seven, eight-year-old stage, and then they move, and then they're like, "Oh man, it's all changed again. It's all changed again." And I think the problem is we try and treat them like children for too long. And I, and I want to say to you, learning to engage as a team is really important. So I would say um, it's important that there's a conversation. Um, and a conversation where you say, look, this is, uh, this is what we think is really important. Um, and the teenager has a chance to say, actually, I just find church really hard. I find church really boring. So this was very much the case with our kids. We moved into central London. We planted a church. There were no other teenagers. And one of my sons hated the fact that whenever he went to church, someone would try and talk to him. He was like, Dad, I just don't want to talk to anyone. And yet they just come and talk to me. And so he didn't want to be there. And, that, and like, okay, well, what do we do about that? Well, let's talk about that. Let's find ways to think about that. Let's work through that. Um, for what it's worth, the place that we ended up was that actually we will not put... We go to church as a family on a Sunday, once on a Sunday. That is what we're saying. This is what we as parents would love you to continue to do with us. That's what we're asking of you boys. We're not asking you then to be part of everything else. You, that's where we've drawn the line. Um, and they get the choice to go be part of a youth group or be part of other things. Now, different people are going to find it in different ways. But that's partly our scenario because of um, the church that we're at. Um, but it is, I guess what I'm saying is that there's a conversation to be had and a, a listening that needs to happen so that you're trying to move, trying to help young people to transition from being children where they just do what they're told to being adults who choose to do things that are, are right and good and healthy. Does that make any sense? I mean, if there's any other, there's probably loads of wisdom in this tent on this. Um, any other questions that people want to raise? Yeah, can we? It's just because it's being it's being recorded. So, it, um, sorry, I should have told you at the start. <laughs> I think one of the things um, as a dad and growing up in a, a kind of a different generation to now is that there was a conversation. Our parents was like, "We're your folks. This is a story. Get on with it." And there were some things we debated. And it's finding the fine line between yeah. where can we debate? And sometimes the debate will mean that you get a yes and we get a no, or you get a no and you get a yes. And how to find that conversation that we're still your parents, but we're happy to talk. It's that fine line, I guess. And it's, 
I don't know, anybody else got any ideas or thoughts on that one? And I think that's exactly the line that we're trying to walk, right? And there are moments when we say, actually, we are your parents. We love you, and this is why what we're doing is... This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we're saying what we're saying. I think the danger is that we just pull rank and say, well, we're your parents. The Bible says honor us, so you need to shut up and obey. That, that's never going to be healthy, right? I'm not saying that's what you're saying. But there is a place for saying, listen, we've listened to one another. I remember having a really interesting conversation with my 16-year-old who was really angry about something, and we talked it through. And at the end of it, he said, I just wanted you to listen. And you've heard my point of view. And he was then happy to, to go with what we... That's not always going to happen that way. But I think exercising authority is not about getting your own way. It's not about making sure that everything is, is done in obedience, obedience to you. It's a bit like being a pastor of a church. If, if I just go through life trying to lay down my authority, no, you, you lead by loving, you lead by serving, you lead by laying down your life. Um, and speaking truth. Um, is there anything else? Steph, did you want to say anything else on that? Yeah, it links back into what we were saying about trust. If you have built that foundation of trust, then that fine line is just that little bit more secure. There's still a very fine line, but there's just that backing of they trust that you, you have their back. Um, yeah. But it is really hard. And there are times when you have to say, no, this is wrong. Mm. But, but I think you do that on the basis of scripture rather than on, well, this is what I think, and this is what I want. Um, cool. Any more? One last question. Okay, we we'll have... One of the comments that came back from the uh, teenagers that you had said was one of the comments was, um, I struggle with my mental health and I don't want to be asked about it. Yeah. So how do you as a parent then actually engage with that? How do you trust that person? Clearly they're suffering, you may see they're suffering, but how do you actually engage... Um, I would say slowly. Um, I would say that it's a really important conversation to have, um, but it is a process um, that, I, going back to the trust thing, like it goes back to if they trust you, um, then there will be sharing over time, but um, there's a lot of patience involved, and particularly when mental health is involved, um, there can be no sense of force involved. Um, it has to be a voluntary conversation. It has to be um, on, um, yeah, it has to be a careful and slow conversation. It may well take time. Um, yeah, I think that would be more from the young person's point of view that you wouldn't want it to be, but I don't know from a parent's point of view whether you've got more wisdom. Yeah, and I think sometimes you have to understand, t uh, teenagers, you need to know this, your parents may not be able to fix everything. Um, and parents, I think we need to realize that our kids need more than just us. Um, and part of being part of a church is that there will be others who might be able to come alongside and do what we can't do. So some of those conversations will need to be had with people perhaps who aren't us. That's quite painful because you're like, no, I want to be the one in who's doing this. But actually, part of loving our kids is helping them and, and, and saying... I'm there for you. I'm absolutely there for you. Um, and I'll go at your pace, like Steph said. Um, those are very difficult questions. And, but often it's, I'd say, go, if you're a parent who's struggling with that, go talk to your pastor about it. Ask them. 
you know, the, um, pray about it, talk to others about it. Great, I'm going to wrap it up. I feel like um, we've talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, if you take one thing away from this seminar, um, apart from the fact your parents give you food, which is great, um, I think we, we really just want to send you out saying, whatever state your relationship is in with your teenager and teenagers with your parents, it's not too late. <laughs> um, and as you step forward, learn to love each other. Just enjoy Learn to love each other deeply. Trust each other. Be a team. Work things out. Sometimes that does mean taking risks. Sometimes that does mean making mistakes. Often it means saying sorry. But God has put you together. It's not a mistake that your parents are your parents. Be a team. Love one another. Listen to one another. And God will help you. Heavenly Father, we've... I skimmed over lots of different issues this afternoon and we recognize that for some people in this tent, these are very painful and very hard and very raw things. We don't want to gloss over that. So we ask, Lord, that for all of us, that you'd give us wisdom, whether we're teenagers or parents, that you'd give us wisdom. We pray that you would change things. We pray that your grace would flood our relationships. We pray that we'd treat one another like you've treated us, that we'd be patient with each other, that we'd forgive one another, that we'd be full of grace and kindness. And Father, where those conflicts come, we pray that they might lead to deeper relationships as we build trust and listen to one another. Lord, we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. Join us next time for more talks to come from our Revive Weekend together. See you next time.